Hello, and welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we'll be discussing Last Action Hero, um, which was released in the US on the 18th of June 1993, and in the UK and Ireland on the 30th of July 1993. Um, it was written by Shane Black and David Arnott, and was directed by John McTiernan. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Austin O'Brien, Charles Dance, Robert Prosky, uh, Bridget Wilson... Mercedes Rule, uh, Sir Ian McKellen, <laughs> as he's credited in the credits, uh, Tom Noonan and Frank McRae. Jimmy and I have thought of three problems the movie has, and we'll discuss them. We also each have a positive for the movie. Yes, indeed. You're supposed to ask me about my history. <laughs> what is your history? Right, I didn't go to the cinema to see this because I... I think I was a little snobby bastard, mm-hmm. I think, because I wasn't a huge fan of meta comedy back then anyway, cause probably because I didn't understand it, and I didn't really... And this was getting sold as a comedy, mm-hmm. um, in the UK at least. And I, I mean, I read newspaper, eh, newspaper magazine articles about it and stuff, and I was like, eh, not really, I love Arnold, but no, nah, it's not really for me. So... I saw Jurassic Park instead, which was released like two weeks before this or something in the UK. So I went and saw that and probably something else instead later on in the month. Um, my friend, my uh, longest serving friend, Lee, uh, messaged me because he asked if I remember our history with the movie and I said, not really. Um, so he sent me this message and this is what he wrote. We'd found out it was out on a certain date, a Monday, I think from the Blockbuster magazine. Then the week before it was due to come out, my uncle had mentioned to me that it was actually out on that day. You and I weren't sure, uh, so we went to Blockbuster and they told us it's not out for another week and uh, to fuck off. Um, I might have misremembered that bit. (laughs) But we went to Global, anyway, Global's another video store It was in our town, and I worked in that for a while, um, just to be sure. They told us it was indeed out today, but all the copies had been hired out. We went back to mine, and my uncle appeared with the copy that he'd rented from Global and left it with us. We watched it all the way through, and I think the first thing you said when it ended was, it didn't have a title screen, which was true. It, do- it doesn't have a title screen at the start. Anyway, so, that's my history. What's yours? Um... So we've talked before about how I didn't understand that I liked action movies for a really long time. Yeah. And this didn't teach me that I liked action movies, but I didn't like action movies. I had no interest in seeing this movie. And then I went to a sleepover where the mom took us to the movies and this is what we saw. And I was not happy. Mm. I didn't understand why we couldn't go see something else or just not go to the movies. (laughs) And we watched it and I loved it. Yeah, and it's it should have taught me a lesson that I didn't learn then, but the lesson should have been sometimes it's okay to watch movies you don't want to see because you might be surprised. Yeah, it took me a long time to kind of get out of my normal genres, but yeah, I love it, and we have it on DVD. I've seen it a few times over the years, but this was the first. This was actually the first time I've seen it, probably since I saw Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. um, which they reference both in this. 
So yeah. this my viewing experience was a little different this time. There were references that I understood better than than I did before. It's the same director as Die Hard mm-hmm. and the same composer as Lethal Weapon. Yeah, when I looked at the director and the writers, I was I was surprised. Ah, yeah, and Shane Black, yeah, he wrote Lethal Weapon. But there's a music sting from Lethal Weapon used in mm-hmm. this, and that's um because it's Michael Kamen. I don't love this. <laughs> uh, I don't hate it, but I just. Right, we'll get into it when I get into my first problem. Uh, so, what's your first problem? Uh, my first problem is at the beginning when he, the guy, you know, breaks into his house or, you know, tries to rob him. Uh, we see the time on the clock. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like 11.16 or something. Yeah. And he gets handcuffed to the to the toilet and the guy leaves. And the next t- thing we see, he's at the police station and he still has like 10 minutes or something to get to the midnight yeah. showing. That That doesn't work out. There's no way, there's no way that all that happens before, like, between 11.16 and, like, uh, 11.50. No, it makes zero sense. I was thinking that myself as well, because I forgot about that part. I remember the the, the guy breaking into the house, because I caught some of this on TV um, a few years ago, and it was showing, like, on a Sunday afternoon, and that's exactly why I watched it, a Sunday afternoon. But... Uh, they showed it on TV and it was cut to bits. And that bit where the guy breaks into the house, it's like he he opens the door and then the next thing you see, the kid is handcuffed to the thing. Mm-hmm. They cut the entire thing out. Um, handcuffed to the thing and the guy says, go fish for the key and chucks the key in. So they cut that entire scene out. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's um, kind of important. Violence towards a kid, I suppose. You know? Mm-hmm. So... Um, and there was swearing in that scene as well, so I think they just cut all that bit out. They didn't really establish like what time it was when his mum went to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have happened right, right after that, you know? Maybe he was waiting on her leaving the house, it would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Well, my first problem is, I know this is meta and satire and shit, but the world, um, the action movie world just doesn't work for me. I enjoy the stuff at the start when he first meets Jack Slater, because all that stuff about, you know, all the action movie tropes and the puns and stuff, uh, that's that works for me. I like that and the ridiculous over-the-top action. But once they go to the police station, and then you've got Catherine Trammell from Basic Instinct walking out, and, mm-hmm. and the, um, the T-1000, I think it is, uh, and then you've got Black and White Humphrey Bogart and a fucking animated cat. It's like, this is, what? what's this? You're supposed to be inside this one particular movie, but it's expanded to a movie world? It doesn't really... Yeah, it's confusing because it, there's a certain point where I'm like, wait, is the cat in these movies? Like, what? Yeah. what's the deal? And I, I don't like that. You're right. Like, that's, I, he's in one movie and that's how it should be. Yeah, it's I, never. This has never sat right with me. This entire thing, because since I watched it the first time, as soon as the animated cat turned up, I was like, "That makes zero sense." And the kid even mentions it. It's mm-hmm. like there's an animated cat there, so he hasn't seen the cat before. It sounds to me like they were like, "Wouldn't it be funny if we had all these other characters and stuff?" But didn't really think it through logically. Yeah. And also, what are they actually parodying in this movie? Because. How many PG-13 big-budget, like, 
ridiculous cop action movies were there before this. Most action movies were R-rated mm-hmm. up until this point. So what is it they're actually taking the mickey out of? I mean, it was more like because this was PG-13. Um, like, I mean, I, that's the reference for his movie being PG-13 and, and then not having the cussing. But then the other thing is that Arnold Schwarzenegger really wanted it to be PG-13 because he wanted kids to be able to go see it. And that was that was why they did that. Yeah, um, I know, but it's like a, it's over-exaggerating action movies. But I do think that the meta sort of hurts the movie sometimes because action movies weren't really, really that over the top at this point. I mean, there was some stupid things like... Um, like Commando, which is a Schwarzenegger movie, was over the top, but it didn't have like a a, a rock score over the top of it. Like it didn't have uh, rock music playing. Rock music was mostly in horror movies at this point. Um, you would have like Alice Cooper doing soundtracks for Friday the Thirteenth movies and stuff like that. So it just doesn't really work for me. All this. I mean, I and- I think it's just that they're. They're spoofing them, but they're, like, doing it to a ridiculous level. Like, I don't think I they're don't... saying they're like that. Well, aren't they? I don't, I don't, I didn't get that. I, I think that they're, it's kind of like, um, when you watch screen, the screen movies and, like, how ridiculous the stab movies are, like, yeah, I, I think I, it's more fun for them to exaggerate these things in movies. No, I know, but I think the, the exaggeration has to come from somewhere, surely. And I think that um, because the kid watches these movies all the time and he knows all the tropes and mm-hmm. there are a lot of action movie tropes and there's the puns and one-liners but I don't think action movies got like ridiculous until after this movie hmm. so this movie started a trend because then you would have like flashy sort of action movies like Bad Boys and stuff in 95 and then now you've got the fucking Fast and Furious movies which are absolutely <laughs> ridiculous I love it <laughs> They get more ridiculous every movie. Yeah, and I think that this movie actually started a trend. Yeah, no, the whole meta thing just doesn't work for me. It's, I I don't know why. I mean, the the animated cat is why. And then the animated cat turns up later on and saves them. And it's like, right, what would happen if Danny's not there? What happens in the actual movie? Does the animated cat turn up in the actual movie? Doesn't make sense. Um, so, what's your second problem? Uh, before I say my second problem, can I tell you a little story? Of course. Okay, so, uh, last week I was at, uh, the bar with my friend David, and I had mentioned to him the two Schwarzenegger movies that, um, I had watched, and I hadn't mentioned Last Action Hero yet at all, and he was like, you know what's a good movie? Last Action Hero. And I was like, duh, I know. And he got it in his head. He wanted to watch it. And so that night he went uh, to watch the movie. Like he went to hang out with the girl he was dating and he suggested they watch it. And not long after it started, she started complaining and they ended up having to turn the movie off. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was already talking about possibly breaking up with her. <laughs> but that made the list i think and i think it pushed it pushed that breakup like the next night or whenever it was uh 
And I thought that was hilarious. Uh, I, uh. <laughs> See, I was looking at reviews on Letterboxd for this. And there was a lot of people saying that this movie is fantastic and all that. And I'm like, I get why people enjoy this movie. And I enjoy aspects of this movie. And there is a lot of things in it to like and to enjoy. And I do like a lot of the, the action. Because, you know, action movie guy, I like the action. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I just don't think it's good. I, I think, I think it's enjoyable enough, but I. Oh, I think it's so great. I think oh, it's so great. And it's, it's just, like, I was actually surprised Dylan didn't want to watch it with me because he loves it too. I think he'd watched it pretty recently. Um, oh God, I love this movie. And, but while we're talking about that, I'm going to switch my second and third problems. Um, and and say that while I do think it's a fantastic movie, uh, one of my problems is that it is too long. I think they yeah. spend too much time in the movie world. And I feel like they could have trimmed, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes off of that. And it would be a lot better. Although I will say, um, you know, when I saw it was two hours and 10 minutes, I was like, ugh, because I don't like watching anything more than two hours. Plus, I usually watch it in the morning before we record and I don't want to have to get up too early i like it when they're short um but at one point i looked to see how much time had passed and it was 40 minutes and i couldn't believe that i thought it'd been 15 or 20 like i feel like the the first maybe 45 minutes or so or maybe even first hour um the pacing is really good it doesn't feel like it's dragging on it's just that they just spend too much time in that that movie world and they should have gotten out a little sooner my third problem is the movie's too long i enjoy all the well, not all of it, but the the movie world part is my favourite part of the movie. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. Once they go into the real world in the third act, the movie just stops for me. It's it's so boring. And because I was enjoying it and I was enjoying the, the first two acts and I was enjoying the movie world stuff and it was being really silly apart from the fucking cat. And... <laughs> I was actually enjoying it and sort of having some fun. And then I forgot they went to the real world and everything just went bleh. <laughs> no, I mean, they should cut. They should have cut some out of it. But I think they should have cut some of the, the real world stuff out of it. I think that... Just at the end. Like, one of the things I love about the real world stuff is the fact that the rules are gone. Yeah. Um, that like that he shoots a car and it doesn't blow up. And if he gets hurt, he gets really hurt. Um, yeah. I thought that that was a good payoff to all the rules in the movie world. No, I like that, but they do ram it down our throats and and spend about ten minutes telling us all this mm-hmm. uh, because two separate characters have to learn this, and it's like right, we get it, we know that um, Charles Dance is now learning it, mm-hmm. but we understand it. It's the real world. And it's different rules. Oh, but yeah. By the way, I was watching it. and I was like, Charles Dance is like doing a real Hans Gruber impression, and then I found out the part was offered to Alan Rickman, and he turned it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I wasn't as annoyed. Well, because it was one of those things where I'm like, maybe he's supposed to be doing that, but is he like? I sometimes I don't know. I I realize now he was probably supposed to be doing that, but um, it just makes me think of things like uh. Like, we'll never do Heathers. 
So I'll just mm-hmm. say one problem I have with it. It's not a huge problem. It's it's not like I even mind it that much. But the fact that Christian Slater is just doing a Jack Nicholson impression the whole yeah. time, um, it, that kind of stuff just it kind of takes me out of it a little. Um, not that this is a serious movie I need to be in, but I'm very aware of the actor and the choice that the actor is making. And uh, I it would have worked better for me if it was Alan Rickman. I think not that not that he didn't do a good job. But yeah, he he has sort of playing up on it a little bit because he has the bad guy so mm-hmm. he is sort of putting on like a bit of a bad guy persona type thing but um i never thought alan rickman but that's that does make sense now yeah there was one scene where i was just like oh hans gruber he is being hans gruber right now like he sounded exactly like hans gruber that would have taken me out of the movie a lot if it was alan rickman mm. if, if alan rickman was just doing the hans gruber thing again that would have just i wouldn't have i wouldn't enjoy the movie even just a little bit, because I think that that's a bit too much. Can I, on the nose. Can I complain about something random? Uh, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Nakatomi Tower, right? That's what it's called? Nakatomi Tower, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I have a t-shirt that is the Nakatomi um, Christmas Party shirt, uh-huh. and I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it so much, and I wear it at Christmas, but I hadn't worn it in a few years. And last year, I went through every... Like, I have these... Um, like zip these things that zip up that fit under the bed that you can put clothes in. I went through every single thing I have clothes in, in this house and I couldn't find it. And it really pisses me off. (laughs) So whenever I think about Nakatomi tower, I just think about that. I want to find my damn shirt. (laughs) It's a cool shirt. I don't doubt it. It's my random complaint. I hope you find it one day. Me too. I'll probably look again this year. Um, my third problem is the music when that Asian guy opens the door. Yeah. That's that's some racism. Yeah, that is a bit silly. But you see, the, the way I see... We spoke about this before, right? When you're doing parody movies or meta movies or satire, it's like, can you give them a, can you give them a pass? Because they are probably parodying movies that do that. That's true. And also, I will say it was kind of subtle. Like it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. like you're watching Sixteen Candles. Um, yeah, no, that's true. It was the sort of thing that I could see someone not even noticing. Um, yeah. It was. It was. It was kind of quiet, but it was there, and it bothered me. Yeah, I get the idea of like parodying like the racist shit, but I also feel sometimes like let's just not do it at all. Um, especially if you're not going to be able to tell. Yeah, that's the only instance of it. No, if they, yeah, if they were really spoofing, like, 80s action movies, there would be so much racism mm. in this movie. Yeah, they would have, um, some gangs, different, uh, people of colour and different gangs, uh, saying slang words. I did notice that, actually, and I just, I, I did think, oh, no, why, why are you doing this, <laughs> Michael Kamen? Why, that was a choice, Michael Kamen, but... Yeah, it's was, it was the only instance in the entire movie. Yeah, since at least it didn't have a gong sound. Yes, yeah, that would be worse. Um, since since we've blown through the problems real quick, can I? I read all the trivia. Well, I've still got mine. I, oh, you you said your third I problem. Like, no, I didn't say my second. Oh, uh, why why didn't you say your second? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were doing your second, and my third was your. Oh, uh, okay. So well, you see, so you should have just switched them up, like I did. No, I know. Okay. I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to, but you went on to this, whatever you're doing now. You confused <laughs> me. You confused me. Go on. What's your second you problem? You confused yourself. Right. My final problem is 
When Jack and the kid are driving away after landing in the truck, mm-hmm. a car lands in the uh, well, lands and crashes into the background, um, and it is the worst CG explosion ever created. <laughs> it is a terrible, terrible special effect, and it's like birdemic level of crapness. Um, and it took me out of it because all the explosions have been practical up until that point. Mm-hmm. Like, all the cars they're driving past just explode for no reason. Um, and there's just so much, you know, f- actual fire. Mm-hmm. But then here you can see, like, a CG explosion and it's ridiculous. And there's a couple of CG explosions throughout the movie as well. Other ones. Uh, so what were you going to say? Oh, I read all the trivia on IMDb and I just had a couple things I wanted to read that I thought were interesting. Okay. Um, God, they... I feel bad for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, he was really deeply involved in this movie. And it yeah. was such a bomb, which I know that Jurassic Park opening the week before had had something to do with that. But um, mm-hmm. and people just not really understand. Like this is the sort of thing we're used to now, right? Like Supernatural has done multiple episodes that reference that it's a show or things. Like th- we're used to meta humor now. Yeah. But in 1993, we were not. And apparently, a bunch of people got butthurt about that but so this is this just shows how big they thought this movie was going to be the merchandising people came up with some jack slater action figures with guns arnold schwarzenegger vetoed the idea because this movie was a warmer more cuddly action movie merchandising included seven video games uh which i was telling dylan about that and he said he assumes that means like different consoles not that seven separate ones uh 20 million dollar burger king promotion a 36 million dollar theme park ride nasa's first paid ad in space and a four-story inflatable jack slater at Cannes. schwarzenegger Mm. gave 40 television interviews and 54 print interviews in 24 hours setting a new personal record yeah that's insane it is. He, he really wanted this to be a winner. No, I, that's what I like about Arnold. I don't know. I don't know why this movie failed back then. It, it must have been the meta thing. Um, and I think it was a little too long. Like, they, they talked about it was two um, hours and 20 minutes at the um, screening, the, mm-hmm. what do you call it, test audience screening. Yeah. And they hated it. Like, apparently, they were still filming extras. Like, they were doing reshoots up until a week before this movie came out because of that really bad test screening. I mean, I think people had multiple problems with it, but one of the ones that was specifically mentioned was that it was too long. Like, if you think about Cameron Crowe movies and how long they are, Mm -hmm. um, like, things like Elizabeth Town, maybe it would have done better (laughs) if it had been just a little shorter. A lot of movies really suffer... um, for from being over two hours long i mean i know we're more used to it now um but this was odd at the time um yeah and also if you if your movie is shorter there's more showings mm -hmm. of it during the day that's true in the the cinema like this is there was stuff that i could see how they could just get rid of it it's not like like the eternals is two and a half hours but i totally see why we need like everything in that movie <laughs> sometimes right. or like end game like sometimes it's it's justified um yeah. but a lot of the times it's like if you just cut out 10 minutes like i said the beginning is tight the beginning is fine for me mm-hmm. um it's yeah, yeah. just when they're in the movie world i feel like there's just a few too many twists and turns um, few too many set pieces. They they just they should have cut it a little. Um, yeah. but I also it's just like I love this movie so much. It's I it, it baffles me like I'm baffled to why it did so horribly. Um, it's funny like and it got terrible reviews and I'm just like this is a clever 
movie, even if you don't like it, I mean, it's a clever movie. It's a clever idea. Yeah. And I wonder, I haven't read the reviews, but I wonder if anybody was even giving it credit for that. Oh, no. Um, but the other piece of trivia I wanted to read, which I thought was really interesting, um, says, before the Hamlet sequence, wherein uh, Sir Lawrence, the Sir Lawrence Olivier version of Hamlet is shown to the class, the teacher is uh, Dame Joan Plowright, Olivier's mm-hmm. third wife and widow. Yep. That's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I knew that. I knew that. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, no, it's very. It is. It's. It's quite. It's quite clever that they got her to do that small role to introduce that movie. Yeah, there's some clever stuff in this. Yeah. And no movies have more cameos than movies about Hollywood because this movie yeah. had a million of them. But I don't understand if Arnold Schwarzenegger was playing himself, why didn't they have like Bridget Wilson playing Bridget Wilson? Like why? Why did they have to use fake names for all the actor, other actors? I know. I did love it when the credits came up um, when he's watching the movie. And I, I somehow I'd completely forgotten that it is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I, I forgot about that. And I was like, oh, well, that's fantastic that that it's like the guy who plays him is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Because um, I had just somehow I mean, it's been a while since I saw it. So uh like one of the main things I remembered from this movie is that they're at the tar- the Librea Tar Pits because um, he was also at the Librea Tar Pits in My Girl 2. Uh, yeah. And those were like the first two times I ever heard of the Tar Pits. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of associate them with Austin O'Brien. Talking about the cameos, this is our second Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Belushi movie. Mm-hmm. And Danny DeVito. Yeah I, yeah, I was talking about in a row, but mm-hmm. yes. Yes, um, Dan DeVito's in this as well as that fucking cat. <laughs> but the um, yeah, but, but if we wanted to go all out, instead of the movie we're doing next week for Thanksgiving, we should just do <laughs> Jingle All the Way, and uh, because James Belushi's in that as well, and that would be the James Belushi Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger trilogy. Um, what is your positive? Um, okay. So my positive, besides the whole friggin' movie and the concept, because my positive was almost the concept, but there was one yeah. moment that I loved. And it was, um, you know, Danny wakes up and he sees Jack talking to his mom. And he's talking about how, like, he tells him, I've never talked to a woman before. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so great. Like, in action movies, they don't have real conversations. And because they're just talking about, you know, the conflict or whatever. They yeah. don't have real conversations and especially not with women. And I loved I love that they acknowledged that, that it was just like that he found it so nice to just have a conversation with a woman. That was a great moment. Yeah. I mean, it does make you wonder outside of the movie, what do they actually do? Mm-hmm. Like, does he never talk to any women Outside of the happenings of the movie, because outside the happenings of the movie, there's a cartoon cat called <laughs> Bogart. So that's quite horrible if you think about it. That even inside the world of the movies, he he can't talk to women. That that's like um. Recently, I was talking to Dylan about uh, Michael Myers, and I was just like, what does he do, like, in July? Like, he's always out killing on Halloween, but, like, like imagine Michael Myers sitting down and having a meal, right? Like, this is a man yeah. who actually, like, lives. What does he do in the rest of the time? Like, even when he's locked up, like, dude has to eat meals and shit. That's, it's, and Dylan was like, I don't want to think about that. Like, that's no fun to think about. And I'm like, oh, I love thinking about it. Yeah. But the thing about him talking to women is... 
I like how thoughtful they are about the tropes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, Danny saying, like, where the normal women that they're not mm-hmm. just going over like pretty surface level stuff. But the fact that like he doesn't talk to women, that's the sort of thing you would expect now. They'd be talking about yeah. the Bechtel test, but it's not something that was that I think was generally thought about as much in 1993, like not not as obviously as like the the ridiculous explosions or whatever. And so I, I yeah. like that they get into those little little tropes that people might not have necessarily thought of. No, that's good. No, I, I never actually thought about that, but no, it's, it, 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 is, it is smart in its own way, but... Cartoon cat aside, that mistake aside, I think it's a very thoughtful movie. Like, it's clear they... You know, you watch a lot of movies, especially action movies, and you're like, well, I can see how they came up with an idea and then just did it and didn't put a ton of yeah. thought into it. But this movie, yeah. you can tell that, like, a lot of care was put into it. That's why I was so disappointed for Arnold Schwarzenegger that it was his first dud because like everything I read it just sounds like he was making good decisions he he cared about it a lot he was very thoughtful about it and I I think it's really easy to underestimate Arnold Schwarzenegger as just like a lunkhead movie star (laughs) and the more I read about him the more it's like okay I get why he was governor like (laughs) that there's more to it than action star becomes governor right that like there's more to Arnold Schwarzenegger than it seems and I really appreciate that um and I it makes me want to watch his other movies more um because Mm -hmm. I always kind of it's easy to write action stars off you know? Yeah, I mean, we spoke about that last week mm-hmm. when I was talking about the behind-the-scenes stuff of Red Heat, that Arnold is actually a really smart and funny man. And you said, cartoon cat aside, um, and I can't I can't let the cat go <laughs> because it's not just a cat, it's just I don't understand the rules and it's not clear because it's supposed to be the movie but it's not the movie, it's you know, it's just I I get the I get the want to show different characters from different movies, but just yeah. add a sequence where they go into different movies or something, or like where the bad guy goes into different movies, like and we get that a little yeah. bit with with death. Um, but there are other ways to kind of introduce the idea of other movie characters without it being that. I mean, it could even be that, like, you know the bad guy lets people out of different, a bunch of different movies, not just one movie. Um, that's yeah. Sharon Stone could get out of a movie. Um, yeah. I, there, I, I, I understand the motivation for doing what they did, but I just think it was very poorly executed. There, there are better ways to do that. Absolutely. Cause if you think about it, right, Nick's, Nick's fallen asleep up in the, the projection booth, mm-hmm. but the movie's still playing. When they come out of the the movie, um, he has crashed through Benedict's wall and um, into that room, and you see that the the truck is still sitting there when behind them when they come out of the the movie. Mm-hmm. It's still on the screen. So if Nick was awake and didn't fall asleep, um, he could he could have been watching Danny's adventures, and all of that would be on screen. So that's why it doesn't make sense to me that why is there a fucking cat? Why is there Humphrey Bogart? Why do we see that? Because someone watching the movie would see that. I know that's not the contents of the movie, mm-hmm. but going by the rules that this movie set, 
and we would see that on the screen as it's happening to Danny, and it makes no sense to me. Anyway, my positive is um, I really like uh, the Def Leppard song, Two Steps Behind, it plays in the end credits. Wasn't that nominated for a Razzie? No. Oh, okay. But, uh, Big Gun by ACDC was nominated for a Razzie. We'll get into that in a Okay. Um, no, Two Steps Behind, it's the song after Big Gun. Um, it's acoustic version, uh, and there's also... The electric version on the album, uh, retroactive was the album. And I think that the acoustic version's far superior because it's lovely. Anyway, then it's followed by a live version of Dream On by Aerosmith for some reason. <laughs> and the end credits, which makes zero sense. Why is there a live version of Dream On? I don't know. Anyway, you mentioned the Razzies. <laughs> so let's talk about the Razzies. Uh, this movie was nominated for six. Yeah. It's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I, I, I kind of understand the reasoning, but I I don't agree with it. Um, but the thing with the Razzies is they just hate everything. Uh, but it was up for worst picture, right? Mm-hmm. And it was up against Body of Evidence, Madonna. Okay. Uh, Cliffhanger, which is a Stallone movie, and I actually really enjoy that movie. Uh, Indecent Proposal, which is Robert Redford and Demi Moore and uh, Woody Harrelson. So far, I've never seen these movies. Right. Uh, Sliver. Okay, I have seen Sliver. Which is Sharon Stone. Okay, and that's a terrible movie, but the book by Ira Levin is really good. Right. I'm just putting it out there because <laughs> I think if people knew it was a book, they would write it off. But it's written by Ira Levin, who did Stepford Wise and Rosemary's Baby. And he is one of my favorite writers. Um, I don't think Indecent Proposal is that bad. I, I, I would have given it to Body of Evidence or Sliver because those movies are really bad. Anyway, uh, Arnold was up for Worst Actor. Bullshit. It is bullshit because he's, he's, I mean, he's good again. Um, but he was up against William Baldwin and Slimmer, Willem Dafoe and Body of Evidence, Robert Redford and Decent Proposal, and Burt Reynolds and Cop and a Half. <laughs> well, uh, it, and he won. And I, I, William Baldwin uh, is part of what makes Sliver so bad. Yeah. Uh, so, like, if they'd gotten Alec, it would have been a much better movie. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I agree with that one, but I don't agree with Arnold. No, because the the Razzies seem to hate... They don't hate Arnold as much as they hated Stallone. Mm -hmm. Like, every single time Stallone had a movie out, he gets a Razzie nomination. Especially during the 80s and 90s. He is the the one with the the most nominations and the most wins, quote-unquote wins. And I really don't understand that at all. I... I I don't pay super close attention to the Razzies, but when I do see their lists, it really seems like they look at movies that they think are bad, and then they seem to think every element of the movie was bad. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Like, somebody can be excellent in a bad movie. God, there was this movie. What was the movie? It was Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I think it was just called Beast, maybe. Um, It had Vanessa Hutchins in it. Oh, or Beastly. Beastly, yeah. And that movie sucks. And everyone in it sucks, except Neil Patrick Harris and mm-hmm. uh, Mary Kate Olsen are perfect. Yeah. 
especially Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris gives an amazing performance in that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a terrible movie. And uh, Mary Kate Olsen does because it's a little over the top, but I think it's like it needs to be that way. Like they mm-hmm. are both good in that movie and it's a bad movie. And I think the Razzies look at things and they're just like, well, that was a bad movie. So Arnold Schwarzenegger must be bad. Right. And I yeah. hate that because there can be very good things in a bad movie, which this is not, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um- Worst screenplay, body of evidence, cliffhanger, this proposal, last action hero sliver. Um, worst new star, mm-hmm. um, Austin O'Brien. I'll give him that. Yeah, he's not strongest. He's not the strongest, but, you know. Uh, he didn't win, though. Um, Janet Jackson won for Poetic Justice. Um, and they were up against Norman D. Golden III for Cop and a Half, Mason Gamble for Dennis the Menace, and Roberto Benini for Son of the Pike Panther. Uh, Janet Jackson's one of Razzie. That's that's weird. Anyway, they okay. So they they pick on that little kid from Cop and a Half. Like I feel like there's an age where like don't nominate the child for a Razzie because I'm assuming that's the little boy in Cop and a yeah. Half. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't do that. That's mean. Yeah, I know that poor kid. But Mason Gamble from Dennis Menace is younger, I think. Oh yeah, I I guess I was thinking of Cop and a Half first, because that's one I've actually seen. I haven't seen Dennis the Menace. Right. But yeah. like, don't pick on little kids. I think Mason Gamble was like seven or something when he made that movie. My husband, fun fact, they were doing, when they were auditioning for Dennis the Menace, they came here, and my husband auditioned for that movie. Oh, really? And I think he would have been a fine Dennis the Menace. Right, okay, cool. Was he blonde? Yes, very blonde. Cool. And then the final one it was up for and didn't win was Worst Original Song for Big Gun. Um, and it was up against, I don't, uh, You Love Me in All the Right Places by Lisa Stansfield from A Decent Proposal. And Adam's Family Whoop from Adam's Family Values. I saw that and that pissed me off because I will tell you what. <laughs> I'm not gonna rap for you, but I know all the words to that song, and uh, that song is the bomb. Fair enough. Um, right. I'm going to go through some notes very, very quickly. Right. Okay. Arnold can pronounce premature ejaculation, but not divorce. <laughs> Slater can't say a bad word that is written on the thing, right? Because it's PG thirteen. Right. Assume the word is fuck. Mm-hmm. But the chief says fuck later on, so the gag would have worked better if the chief said it before, mm-hmm. so then Danny could say it's PG-13 and the one F-bomb's been used already. That would make more sense to me. I think their thinking was just like, he talks so fast, no one's going to notice. Uh, and apparently at one point he says something about Anne Frank. I don't know. But right at the end he does, he clearly says the F-bomb. Mm-hmm. Um... Charles Dance corrects um, Anthony Quinn's use of the eight ball analogy, but he doesn't have his eight ball eye in his eye when he says it and he lowers his glasses. That's a bit of a missed opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. Because you see that he has all these different eyes and one of them is an eight ball. So it would have made more sense if he was correcting his analogy about the eight ball if he lowered his eye and his eight ball was in his eye. I just think that would have made more sense. Anyway, um... How do, how do they explain Tom Noonan's dead agent and a guy who looks just like Tom Noonan being dead in the at the premiere? How do they explain that in the real world? I don't know. Anyway, that was my that was my notes. So 
our next movie, we're taking a little break from Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Jen. Because next week we're covering a Thanksgiving movie. Because we've talked about it last year, didn't we? Yeah. Um, we talked about going Dutch last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're doing Dutch, uh, which was called Drive Me Crazy in the UK. Hmm. Um, so we're, go- we're delving back into the world of John Hughes. I'm, Thanksgiving. I'm very excited about this. I- you shouldn't be. <laughs> Did you watch it already? No, but I watched it last year. Okay, but okay. Here's the thing, and I'll I'll get into it more when we talk about it. But yeah, I read a book about John Hughes, and there was a lot of stuff about Dutch that I found really interesting. And once again, I'll be complaining about John Hughes when we record next week. And it made me want to watch it because I just saw it once, and I do remember not liking it a whole lot. Um, which was frustrating because I was really excited. I was a big fan of Ethan Embry, who I believe was Ethan Randall at the time. Um, but uh ever since i read that john hughes book i wanted to watch it but it's not available like unless you want to buy a dvd for like 60 dollars, it's not available anywhere legally um in the u.s and so it's been really frustrating that i can't watch it yeah also i think it's crazy that john hughes has so many prominent films like because plenty of people have a lot of films but then a lot of them aren't well known but he has enough prominent films that we could do like probably three or four john hughes months even though we've already (sighs) done several john hughes movies yeah we've still got breakfast club still get um ferris bueller pretty in pink uh, pretty in pink uh she's she's having a baby yeah some kind of wonderful curly sue curly sue (laughs) can't forget curly sue jim belushi (laughs) Um. Yeah, I know there's more, but he wrote Home Alone three. Well, did he write it or is he just credited for the idea? No, he wrote it. Well, I would have seen it if I'd known that. That's the only one I haven't seen. I think. Yeah, he wrote it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. He wrote that. Okay. Have you seen the um the trailer for the new Home Alone? No, I'm scared too. (laughs) (laughs) It it doesn't look bad. It's not it's not a straight remake. Um, it takes it, it takes place in England, and oh, it? it um like one of the robbers is a woman. Uh, it's Ellie Kemper, and the the character names are different. Like it's the same concept, mm-hmm. but it's not like it's the McAllister family in Chicago or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's so funny because it just <laughs> I was watching the trailer and I was like, I'm so mature now because like less than ten years ago, if I'd heard about that, I would have gotten so angry at the existence of it. Yeah. And now I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I mean, I'll watch it because it exists and because it's going to be on Disney mm. Plus. But like, even if I didn't want to watch it, I still have Home Alone. What do I care if it gets remade? Exactly. I'm, I mean, it's on, it's on Disney Plus now. The new one? Well, oh. it's in the UK. I don't know if it is. Oh. It's Disney Plus Day. Um, it was released here. Well, so. now I have to check. But I just, I was just like congratulating myself because I'm just like, you've gotten so chill because I yeah, used to get yeah. so, ma- like, I don't need a Hocus Pocus sequel. I think no. that, oh, it is available. I think that a Hocus Pocus sequel is unneeded and ridiculous, but I'll still watch it. And if it sucks, then I'll just ignore it. Yeah. Oh, man. It's called Home Sweet Home Alone. As indeed. Yes. Oh, man. I'm gonna watch shit out of this movie. Uh, I don't know if it's set at Christmas. It is because the yeah. the still I'm seeing on the Disney Plus app, you can see a Christmas tree. Right. Okay. Well, I'll watch in December then, because um, I tend to watch a lot of Christmas movies mm-hmm. in that month for some weird reason. I don't really understand it. Um, so anyway, 
Next movie is Dutch. I can't remember when it was made. It was early 90s. Yeah, probably 94, 95. Yeah. So we're doing... I'll just double check. Hold on. Because I like to be... 91? 91, yeah. Wow. Um, Because I like... If people want to try and find it, then they know the year. That's all we have time for. Uh, If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at DropThePilotPod. Uh, shiftybench.co.uk is the website contact at shiftybench.co.uk is the email address if you want to send us feedback where can people find you online Jen I'm at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter um, and that is because I have a podcast called Pilot Inspectors that hasn't been recorded since April but there's hundreds of episodes so if you actually like me uh, you should check that out and I also have a Party 5 Rewatch podcast called Closer to Free um, which I have recently recorded (laughs) So there will be new episodes of that. And there was also an episode we recorded in March that we never put up. So we have at least two episodes coming out soon. Excellent. So thank you all for listening. And we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.